Live from the William Hill Sportsbook at Silver 7's Hotel and Casino, it's Cofield and Company. Three o'clock hours here, really good spot there with Xavier Pope. Much to get to, though. we got some breaking news to get into. Oh, boy. This is not good. So we have the Golden Knights dealing with a false, uh, false positive outbreak a little while back. We found out yesterday before the game, COVID protocol, no Braden McNabb. Now more players for the Knights with a game seven on the horizon? Well, at least th- there's multiple players now on the COVID list. We'll find out exactly why uh, they found themselves on that list. But uh, we do know that Pete DeBoer last night was referencing some results they were waiting on in terms of why Ryan Reeves wasn't playing a lot of people looked at him as maybe being scratched. You know, I know a lot of fans are anti-Ryan Reeves, uh, and they thought most they thought maybe, seems like most. It does seem that way recently, uh, which is ridiculous. But uh, it seems like a lot of people thought they got their wish. Maybe he had been pulled out of the lineup yesterday. Now it looks like maybe uh, it was something else. I don't know if they're related. I, maybe they were. Maybe you know. Maybe this was just a coincidence that he went on the list uh, and that he didn't play in the game. But the list came out today. The COVID. Uh, protocol list and on the Vegas Golden Knights list Braden McNabb as was yesterday as was expected Peyton Krebs another uh, another player in the organization and Ryan Reeves now on the list so uh, only four players in the league are on the COVID list right now three with the Golden Knights is this the end of it I mean once it starts happening within an organization is this the end of it? I mean, you would have thought earlier in the year that it wasn't, that there was going to be more and more, and that there's going to be more of an issue. Now with vaccinations, like you don't know who is and who isn't, how much, how widespread vaccinations are on the team, who has them. We don't know if even you know McNabb and Krebs and Reeves, maybe they were vaccinated, maybe they still got it, maybe there's false positives. Who knows exactly what was going on? Uh, but those three are on the list, so we don't again don't know vaccination statuses. It's not like that's published. I'm for it. I'm for every league right now putting out a list of who is and who isn't. I, I think that would be maybe prudent at this point. But those three players right now are on the list, so we don't really know those statuses. But it's not a good sign for the night. It's, uh, it's getting maddening, the lack of information. I understand why they try to keep it secret, but it's getting kind of ridiculous. And we'll build on this. Oh, we'll build on this. Because baseball's got major problems with certain organizations. Clubhouses are exploding. Because they're struggling to get everyone vaccinated, at least to the level where they can lift their restrictions. And the NFL, we got a brewing story. So we'll get to that in the 5 o'clock hour. All right, let's do it at 3. It's time for the 3, presented by Nova Home Loans. Call now at 877-700-NOVA. Well, it's not just hockey and NBA and NFL and Major League Baseball that's going on right now. You know, the world is opening up to fans trying to get back to normal in the sports world. Well, you know, part of that normal is dealing with the media. And I know you had a chance the other day to be out at Raiders practice. That was yesterday. First time in forever. You, yeah. I know you were very excited about it. You got to see the guys up close, the rookies. You got to talk to the players by Zoom. Yeah. 
I don't know when that's going to be lifted. I, I don't know st- if you're ever getting face-to-face scrums again. I, I feel like they're. I feel like they're going to fight for this. We were actually talking about that yesterday uh, with some of the media folks there. I, like, I feel like they're going to fight for this to be the norm. Why would it be the norm though? I hope it's not. I don't know how much longer can they sell? I mean, right now they can sell it as a safety deal. Yeah. I, Although, wouldn't that? By the way, wouldn't that be a hoot? If, yeah, we can do a scrum, but every one of you media members has to show a vax card. You know I'm for it. I know you are. I, for nobody it. in the world is more excited about proving vaccination status than me. <laughs> I carry it everywhere I go. Yep. Laminated, ready to go. Who wants to see it? Who wants it? Uh, so yeah, I'd be all for it. Uh, but I listen. Is there an argument to be made? Yeah, like it does make the job harder. I think it's more difficult for everyone involved, like setting up zooms and all that stuff. But like, there is an argument to be made. If we learned one thing from this year, it's that like distancing and masking and all those things actually work yeah for like everyday things have you gotten the flu this year like i haven't i don't know anybody that has because we've been actually staying away from each other and masking up and not trading germs so like could you make the argument as a sports league hey we don't want our players to get anything we don't want them to be around anyone and we're going to separate them as much as we can from the media and not let them get the flu and miss a game for that i think you could i'll give the i'll give you the other thing i think could happen and I think we've got a, a groundbreaking story here. Listen, the the relationship with the athletes and the media should be a workable relationship if both sides understand what's going on. But somehow it's become very adversarial. And also the pot's been stirred by, you know, people at the highest level talking about fake media and, you know, describing all the media as one group, a monolith. Everyone's out to, to get, you know, the subjects. Tennis player Naomi Osaka is not doing media at the French Open. She's going to pay the fine every day. Why isn't she doing media? Mental health. She's citing mental health. Could be legitimate. Couldn't this just be, why would Kyrie Irving ever do media again? Sure. Why would anyone who could use this, legit or not, and again, I I know it's a very touchy subject. We can't even question people on emotional support dogs and cats and parrots and alligators. But this is, I think, I think this is the beginning of something much bigger. I think you're going to have a ton of, if this, it's, apparently it's going to work. And I, I don't know what she's diagnosed with. I, I'm sure it's legit. Uh, does talking to the media fall under the header of, hey, this is dangerous for my health? Well, first of all, I don't, have, I don't know that she has a diagnosis of anything. Uh, I think it's more, um, she said that the, the stress of answering the same questions over and over again gets to her during a tournament. And she doesn't want to do it. Fine. Uh, again, I am very sensitive to a lot of mental health issues, and I'm like, okay, I, I can see this. Now, how many wow, people? Wow, that's, that's an interesting one. Yeah. So people listening right now, think about your workplace. If you're asked the same thing on a weekly or daily basis, and you could go to bosses and be like, I, you can't talk to me anymore. I can't do this. It's not good for my mental health. And, it, I mean, legitimately, I guess you could consider it. I've thought about it. How is it different? <laughs> What, don't ask me to do stories? You ask me to do three stories every day, newspaper. It's it's getting on my nerves, and it's it's affecting my health. All right, we won't ask you anymore. You do what you want. Again, I'm not mocking, but you see what this can open up. Of course. And and I, for for actual mental health issues, I'm totally sensitive to it. And I, th- I think it's, uh, it's, it's good progress to be able to talk about it and be open about it uh, and everything else. I think there's also... You know, a danger in categorizing everything as a mental health issue. 
where you're like mental health, mental health, mental health. Like, well, what's the mental health? I just don't like it. Well, okay. I mean, I that actually is mental health, to be honest. Like, if something bothers you, it's not good to keep doing it. It so it's for you. It's for the betterment of your mental health to say I'm not doing that anymore. It is, but so we also we all have to do things that we don't like. Also, I mean that that is part of it. So there's both sides have very legitimate arguments here. If it's not an actual mental health issue, um, I find it more intriguing to look at this as there seems like almost everything I found today was very supportive and positive about Naomi Osaka because I think people love her and so do I. I think it's great. Right. Oh no! Are you going to say there's different rules for different athletes? If this is a dude, if this is a guy in the NBA. Yeah. Yeah. When when Kyrie Irving does try this, and I don't mean to say like, hey, it's a you know, it's some kind of stunt when he does do it and go, tennis, Naomi Osaka. How do you think fans are gonna react to that? How do you think media will react to it? Not the same as they're re- reacting to Naomi Osaka. To the female tennis player. Yeah. I, I, I was looking back at the, at the at her statement right now. Um whenever I see a press conference or partake in one, we're often sat there and asked questions that we've been asked multiple times before or asked questions that bring doubt into our minds, and I'm just not going to subject myself to that doubt. Well, then everyone's out. There's no post-game press right. conferences. Post-game is done. Yeah. The losing team, no post-game. Uh, wow, really interesting. Now, again, she, she's going to be fined every, every match, yeah. and she's just going to pay the fine, which, you know, if she goes, what, six matches, it would be 120000 It's hefty. But it's not, you know, for her, whatever she expects to win in this tournament, a couple million. Maybe worth it to her to, to not have to deal with it. Maybe they'll increase the fines. I don't know. I I, find, I think this is a very intriguing, like, this story doesn't matter. Man. Naomi Osaka talking, talking or not talking at the French Open doesn't matter. But what it could lead to, what it could open up, does matter. Yes, no doubt. Um I like seeing sports media people make comments and then go, wait, you do that. Like, they'll rip on, you know, we've got a lot of people who have questioned NBA players and load management, right? Taking a day off, just pounding them about it, right? And then I see the the same, say, radio people taking days off left and right. What do you mean? Load management day, huh? (laughs) Right. Now, I'm not saying I'm anti-vacation because that's, you know, that's one of the things you can still get. Um, I think a lot of companies during the pandemic, like, while they cut pay, I hope they didn't cut vacation, right? They could come after that next. So I don't want to get on people for that. I also, like, I like to take a day off every once in a while. Now, I don't take many. So I will look at, I'll see people taking a lot of days off, and I'll, like, almost want to comment on it. But I'm like, eh, I might have one coming up here, so I don't want to turn back (laughs) on me. So think about it. You don't want it to ever come back on you when you're ripping someone for their behavior in their workplace, you know, and then people come at you. I thought this was really interesting, and I'm, I'm, I'm glad someone caught this. Um, it was interesting. Matt Miller, who's new with ESPN, he's an NFL draft guy, he tweeted, it's so loud in MSG, LeBron would be on the floor with an earache. So, again, media member going after, you know, 6'9", 260-pound freak of a man. LeBron James for being a puss, right? And someone noticed that earlier that day or recently, uh, this same person had ducked out of their podcast because they, quote, weren't feeling well. (laughs) 
Uh, again, I'm not questioning if he was feeling – I don't know what was wrong with him, why he couldn't do his podcast, but you were just calling an NBA player a puss. It's, it's what, the danger. What you throw out can come back on you. Sure. It's the danger of it. And I'm, I'm positive what he would say is clearly what I said about LeBron is a joke. If you're really hurt, you're really not feeling well, then you know there is that's different than faking something. If, if you're LeBron, do you take it as a joke? Of anymore? course not. No, th- and that's what I'm saying. What he would say, and like, if people if people annihilate this media member, he'd be like, "Well, what's going on here? Take it of easy." Of course, that is, of course. Like, what do you mean? Of course, you weren't. Yeah, you, you don't. You felt LeBron was open to joke about, but you're not open to joke about. Like, where? Like, there's there's hypocrisy there for sure. NBA action last night. Fans must love John Morant for a couple of reasons. One, how awesome is it? Seven, three guys in your face. Let's go. Now he got rejected, <laughs> but I love the fact that he tried a monster dunk on a seven, three dude and got folded. And then he, you know, he was still aggressive as the game went along. He finished with 47. Great game, 47 points, but they lost. What did he say? Was he all celebratory about the 47? Well, he, he was asked about uh, the 47 is a record. Uh, most, uh, most points in a playoff game for somebody under, under 21. Uh, so really impressive performance, as you said. Uh, but he was asked about setting that record and the historical significance because, like, some of the names on the list of people that have been a part of this are pretty insane. Uh, previous high was LeBron with 45. Uh, he also was up there with, like, some George Mikan records. Like, there's some incredible names on the list that he's breaking. Uh, and, and they said, well, what about setting this record? It's kind of nice. He said, we lost. Doesn't matter. That was it. We lost. Nova Home Loans brings you the three. It's a refi raid at Nova Home Loans. With interest rates at all-time lows, now's the time to talk to your local Nova loan officer. 877-700-NOVA. Puck squirts loose. Stone ahead. Hit it open. Ice was tucky. Spun off of it. Hard hit of the crowd. Loves that hit from Greenwood. Dumped in by Minnesota, and look out a scrap. There will be a fight. Martinez going after Dumba all the way back at the other end. Hanging at the William Hill Sportsbook inside Silver 7s, it's Cofield and Company. Getting ready for a game seven. What just happened this week? Monday, we're interviewing uh, Mike Evans from Denver, talking about the Av series. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. It's not our fault. It's not our fault. Uh, Darren Millard covers the Vegas Golden Knights. The Knights have a game seven now. He's with AT&T Sportsnet. Darren, how you doing, buddy? It's totally your fault. <sighs> you know what? If it's not your fault, it's Adam's fault. Yes. It's my fault. I, I booked multiple flights. It was a really bad I idea. listened. I heard you. You were tempting fate. You're looking at, uh, at travel plans. And you, for the second week in a row, you kabukied it. It's true. You don't believe in jinxes, right? Guarantee I do. <laughs> you should see what Come it on. takes for me just to get dressed in the morning with all the stuff that I have to walk uh, and navigate through. Okay, should players believe in jinxes? Um, well, Patrick Waugh was pretty good at it, and he believed in everything. Okay. He wouldn't step on lines. He would uh, He would talk to his goalposts. Hey, he had this this little twitch thing. Like it, there, he had he had uh, all kinds of uh, different areas that he navigated. Okay, fair enough. And uh, you see, Mark Andre Fleury he does the twirl and yeah. he taps his. I mean, it worked out pretty good for him. Yeah, taps the post, talks to him, thanks them. Two of the they, top uh, three winningest goaltenders ever. Sure. And and they believe in it, so I don't make fun of me. Okay, I'm gonna say that uh, 
Pete DeBoer is not going in the locker room and just saying, hey, let's avoid jinxes. There's got to be something mm-hmm. they say. What what has happened? What has happened on the ice to get them to this point? Well, I don't sense near the frustration with this group as I did last summer in the Vancouver series in the bubble with that group. Uh, you, give me your opinion on it. Yeah, I think it's different. Um, but I don't like. I, I I think that I think there's easy things to point to and. You know, not necessarily blame, but I think there's there's reasons. Like you could say, hey, we're, there's a lack of offense. Well, we haven't had Max Pacioretty. Yeah. Um, you know, and there, there's reasons that you could point to. So I think maybe it's different in that regard. Plus, it's it's not. I think being isolated was different last year too. I think there was frustration just in that. Uh, I don't know. I I think that there there's also that sense of hey, Minnesota is just a really bad matchup for us, and you know, we knew this was going to be a grind, and we knew it was going to be difficult, and they still have the opportunity to come home and, and win a game seven here. Uh, but there has to be, I would think, I would think there has to be some frustration with the fact that this is now, you know, a, a recurring theme over, you know, a couple different years with multiple coaches that they have a real hard time closing teams out when they have, you know, they have their foot on the throat. They can't press it down. Well, that that's a big picture story. And, and let me just uh, pick up on what you said about uh, uh, about uh, Minnesota and being a bad matchup. I, I, I won't go as far as a bad matchup. I think they're a much better team than Vancouver ever was sure. last year. So that let's let's get that out of the way. That this this was expected to go six uh, from the outset. It goes seven. Uh, not a not a big swing. But this is a legitimate hockey team that's not getting by on on total rope-a-dope. Uh, and, and you could make a case that, that Minnesota played its best game by far in the series uh, last night. So they're, they're getting a little bit of confidence uh, coming out of their game. Uh, but as far as the, the 3-1 series lead and not closing teams out, uh, they, they closed out Chicago last year in five uh, and, and had the, the hiccup against Vancouver when Thatcher Demko came in. Uh, so uh, I, I think they, they were one for for two in being able to close it out uh, on, on relative ease. Uh, you want to go back to the San Jose Sharks? That's, uh, that, that's a series in which there was uh, incredible emotional swings. Just, just because it's happened a couple of times, I don't, I don't get the sense that, that, that the 3-1 thing is a legitimate thing. Just like I didn't get that Minnesota was a legitimate thing. Uh, but uh, I also uh, do believe in like terrestrial things. So, uh, 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 there's there's somewhere in, in the middle on that. But uh, I, I, when I look at this series, I just think Vancouver uh, or uh, sorry Minnesota played well for stretches, and uh, Vegas has played well for stretches, and you end up in a seventh game. Two good teams. Yeah. Well, does Vegas have to do something differently? in this game i mean it's not like they've been terrible they've been run out no. but they haven't been able to score uh they haven't really been able to to solve you know they've, they've got yesterday was a whole lot of chances but they've they've still had chances at times throughout the series they haven't been able to finish but you don't want to go and like throw out the whole book you've been no. one of the best teams in the league but at the same time like you can't just allow what's happening to just keep happening so i, I first and foremost i would begin with the starts uh a, a good first period where you really could they haven't controlled the first period uh, territorially since game number one, uh, the one nothing overtime game, in which I think the shots were 19-5, somewhere in, in the range of that. Uh, but it's been five straight first periods in which either Minnesota has uh, controlled the tempo or it's been 
relatively even. So uh, a dominant first period, uh, I think, is is going to be uh, significant uh, for the Golden Knights. I'm not talking about a 3-0 lead or uh, something uh, staggering like that, but controlling and, and dictating play and, and having that type of control. Uh, number two, uh, I, I think that the, they have to get their, their transition game going a, a little bit more. Uh, because that's that's the way you beat the Minnesota Wild. Now, uh, the challenge with that is Minnesota lines up three guys uh, on the blue line. Uh, this We're going back to not full-scale trap era, but they definitely uh, don't forecheck and will let you gain the zone and and let you almost tire yourself out uh, with, with low percentage shots. If you can get something off the rush where you're dangerous and you can you can force uh, either an odd man situation or a high percentage shot and get the puck uh, to the middle, uh, that that's going to work your advantage. And last night I can think of Tuck taking the puck to the net hard, uh, a two-on-one uh, with uh, Riley Smith and Marcia So and Carlson getting the puck to, to the front of the net. But that's about it last night. Uh, that was the lowest event hockey that, that Vegas has been able to play. Uh, in game, game five, the second period, was the exact opposite. They were able to get to their game. So uh, two things, uh, transition uh, off the rush. Uh, you got to be able to find a way to get through uh, that that lineup. And uh, and the other one is a first period. They get, they're due for a really strong first period. I, th- I thought it was interesting, one of the things you said there, uh, not to get too, I guess, too much in the weeds on this, but mm-hmm. you talked about getting a good start, which doesn't necessarily mean you're up 3 nothing. I, I thought it was very interesting yesterday that Minnesota, after the game, you know, they didn't score until the third period, right? Yeah. It was 0-0 after two. But to a man, every single person that came into that press conference, including their coach and all the players, said, we won that game in the second period. And you could say, well, you didn't score. What are you talking about? They just said they've been bad in the second period. Yeah. They haven't been able to play well. And yesterday they thought they played the way that they wanted to. They, they were able to, you know, control the tempo a little bit, control the action, not let Vegas do too much, not let them get these big, you know, surges that they've had in the second periods, and they calm things down and just play the way they wanted to, and that's where they won the game. So it's not always necessarily about scoring goals. It's about taking control of a game right. and just controlling the action. Like, Minnesota was relieved to get to the dressing room in game five. They, they couldn't get down yeah. that hallway enough and go, we got, we got out of that with only allowing one goal uh, and we're still in the lead. Can you believe that? That wasn't the case last night. They, it was a balanced game going back and forth. And, and if anything else, uh, it might have tipped uh, in favor of, of the Minnesota Wild from a, from a dangerous scoring chant uh, point of view. Uh, so now you flip that script and you put it in the first period. And, and can Vegas control the play? And, gener- and the crowd... I'm really curious to see, guys, how the crowd handles its first Game 7 experience. Yeah. Uh, I've thought at times it's been a nervous crowd. Oh, Game 1? For, <laughs> for the first three games, yeah. Uh, and, and it's taken a while. And they've almost let the game dictate their emotion. And I don't know whether yeah. that's fair. That's just me trying to, to, to read 12,000 people. But uh, I think tomorrow... The crowd will uh, has uh, a role in in keeping the players calm, in keeping the players relaxed, and not not tensing up the building a little bit. And professional athletes shouldn't need that. Uh, prof- professional athletes can work on their own, but we are all uh, products of our environment to a certain extent, and and you do uh, are influenced on that. And I think tomorrow night 
if they don't score or if they aren't uh, dominant in the first 10 minutes, the crowd can play a role in getting them through that uh, as much as uh, as much as anything that I've witnessed so far uh, with uh, with the, with the Golden Knights. I'm not talking blow the roof off the place, but don't get tense. And that's hard to do, especially at first game seven for the uh, for the hockey fans here. Oh, I I have a feeling if it's if it's zero zero for very long, it becomes game one again. And game yeah. one, what you're talking about was so noticeable that you get in that building. It was the biggest crowd they've had in you know forever. The towels are waving. You know, as they're dropping the puck, everybody's waving the towel. Everybody's screaming. It's crazy, and that goes on for like three minutes, and then people start to sit down and get into the game, and you hear them a little bit. But by the second period, when it's still zero zero, that place was so quiet. And I think yeah. you're right. Like that tension was. You know, they say you know something is it's palpable like and you don't really know what that means until you see it you could feel how nervous that entire building was and that has to have an effect so, uh, on the team uh, adam it, in the bubble like game one in the bubble i think i think it would have been totally fine like vegas would have just went about their business and, and and played a great game but when you had the crowd in and you and you sense that it it seeps in so it's almost like the reverse effect and uh, tomorrow night i i it's chicken and egg <laughs> and and I don't know what what do the players have to get the crowd involved with the crowd because we we talk about this this environment so much at T-Mobile Arena. Tomorrow night is one of those cases where that environment has to live up to what we talk about and carry it through no matter what happens in the first uh, first twelve minutes of that game. So the first thing I know you weren't watching you were you know doing other things. The first thing NBC Sportsnet did last night after the broadcast of the game, was I flipped over there to see how they were going to handle it. They went into a debate. I mean, it was not 30 seconds after the game ended, and it was who starts in goal. I don't even think it's a question. Like, I think they've painted themselves into this corner. You, As much as I've been a Leonard guy and we've had this discussion, I've mm-hmm. been maybe the biggest advocate for Leonard anywhere. Like, I don't think you can do that for a couple reasons. First of all, he hasn't played in two weeks. Uh, it, and also, I think it sends a desperate message to make that move now. Like, I just don't think you could do it. I, I just had this conversation on a conference call uh, driving into the station. Uh, and I said, it'd be an odd strategy to to, <laughs> to sit down your best player in the series for game seven to shake things up for a goaltender that hasn't played in 12 days. I, I, I'm i with you. It's it, And I said this to uh, to my buddy on the call. I don't know where this narrative has started, uh, and maybe it, maybe it piggybacked off uh, off the NBCSN uh, telecast last night, but it was this morning, it was this afternoon, and it's uh, on social media. This conversation uh, on, on Pete DeBoer's uh, availability today, Greg Wyshynski from ESPN asked the question, and I rolled my eyes. I don't I don't like rolling my eyes at questions, but but it's it's not. I would be so shocked if they, if they did anything else. Uh, Mark Andre Fleury has been spectacular. He has faced, he's had a tougher series uh, by the uh, advanced analytics, a much tougher series than Cam Talbot has, uh, and and that uh, you can also make the case that the, the, that Mark Andre Fleury is the reason why you're in a seventh game because he bought you time early in the series and got you through uh, that that game number two. So yeah, I. I don't know who was on the NBC broadcast last night. It's it's always a fun conversation. I've had them too when it wasn't really going to be a, a talking point or a legitimate option. I've been guilty of that in the past too. But uh, being as close as, as I am to this team right now, uh, there, there's no way uh, you're going to – it'd be a, a massive gamble. 
and and to put in a hell of a tough situation to put Robin Leonard in. Never mind uh, making the switch to begin with. Darren, what's on your show today? Uh, we are going to chat with EJ Raddick from NHL Network, so we're going to get an update on what's happening uh, elsewhere in the uh, Stanley Cup playoffs, uh, Toronto-Montreal. We have an opportunity to close that one out tonight, and uh, a whole bunch. We're going to kind of dip our toe into the water of the fan base and how they're feeling, uh, which could, <laughs> could end, I could end up losing a toe on that one yeah, as exactly. I dip my toe into the, into the water on that. But it, uh, I love seven game, seventh games, guys. I just I love game sevens, and I'm excited about it. Good spot. We appreciate it. Be good, guys. Thanks, man. All right, coming up, we're going to get into uh, the NBA in just a little bit with uh, Curtis Terry, the former UNLV player. He'll uh, give us his leans and likes for the NBA slate tonight and also look back at a wild night at MSG. The phones are always open on Cofield and Company. Call 702-364-1100 now. Live from the William Hill Sportsbook at Silver 7's Hotel and Casino, it's Cofield and Company. I'm a little irked at you people. That doesn't sound good. You writers. Okay. I've seen stories the last couple of days where they're looking into the transition back to the workplace and how things worked out and are working out with people working from home. Mind your own business. Well, mind your own business. I see Forbes. A study shows people working from home. All right, they didn't do the study, but they're they're publicizing the study. People working from home are having sex, dating, taking naps, and doing side hustles on company time. Mind your own business. Yeah, I mean... They're not making the case that anything needs to be done about it. They're just saying this is the study that's out there. I I would say snitches. Is that happening? Yes. Uh, but also, like, are you getting your job done or not? That's the question. Yep. Like, if it if you if my assigned work or whatever, I, it's always weird to me to think like if you have a desk job, like what is what are your tasks? Like, does somebody send you a task list for the day? I. Honestly, I have no idea. But, like, whatever your job is for that day, are you getting it done or are you not? And if you're not because you're doing all these other things, then that's a problem. If you are, then what's the, what's the issue? I think that that's where this debate should really be focused. Because I feel like, no, I can't work from home. And I still really can't. It's tough. I've, I've adapted some. Why can't you? There's too many other things. Like, I, I'll want to, like... I'll be sitting there at my little work area that almost everybody that listens to the show has probably seen now because we just do so much video stuff. But um, I'm in that spot, and, like, I've had that spot before. Like, it's not like I set it up for this. I've always had that spot. but I, And I've had to work there at certain times. But if you told me, like, all day, every day, work there. Hey, why not? No chance. Because I would, be, I would, like, I would get up and I would go, look, you know, hey, what are the dogs doing? Or, oh, let me, let me turn on the TV real quick. Or let, let me do why? this. Why? Like, I don't know. Why do you lack discipline? What's your problem? I mean, the, dog, the dogs don't know that it's... The dogs see you. They're like, oh, it's time to play. They don't know you're, that you're, you're working. You're, you're, you don't live in a small house. Why don't you True. reconfigure your house so you have a room that's your office? I mean, I have an area that's my office. Not an, not an area. Because you're right. In my house, I could have an area, but it would be out in the open. I'm in a room, and if I need to close the door, the door's closed. 
Yeah, it's not. I don't think that's gonna happen. What do you mean? There's people like everywhere. There's what do you like, mean people? Like a homeless shelter. Get them out. <laughs> there's nobody there. You right gotta now, work. Nobody there. Now. Well, I have my work area. Like the, you don't have kids. I mean, you know, parents with kids. All right, that's tougher. It's more. You on, know, we've seen the commercials where the you know the guy's trying to have a meeting and his little kids are running all over the place, and then evil boss is like, "What's going on here?" Like we, he's got kids. Okay, it's a pandemic. It sucks. I mean, it's, but you don't have kids. It's more on me. I mean, obviously, like I, you know, there's there's things when you're in your house. There's things that you want to do, or there's other things to to take there's your time. Nothing away. I want to do. Nothing like that's else. A, that's a you problem. I feel like no, it's not at all. It's time to work. Get to work. Well, like, and I, if you can get your work quick enough, if you want to, you know, whatever, get some nookie, then you you do that. Well, but, that's that's me. Like I I wrote. I had four stories to write today. Right. I so you, you hold yourself up in a room and you, write, said, and you write for however long you need. Sure, I could have yesterday said, "All right, like my stories weren't due until like you know ten, like around now, whatever around this time or whatever." But like I could have said, "All right, I'm going to take an eight-hour shift and I'm going to knock these stories out." Yep. But instead, it was like, "All right, write a story, then go do this, and then, then do what this, is go, what are you going to do?" I don't know. Like I ran, I went to get coffee for one at one point. Oh my god, you're leaving the house? Yeah. It's work. I, That's I'm the not, office. I can't sit in one place for like eight hours and just like wow. it's time to work. So obviously, I'm I'm, up, I'm I'm unrealistic because this that that does wrap the normal workplace sure. when you're in the office. People do want to leave the office because sure. they can't work for eight hours straight without a break. Now, in in the end, I worked for including the two two stories yesterday, the four today. I worked probably like a fourteen hours, but it no, was over quite, like I'm a twenty four hour. I'm period. not questioning how long you work. I know. But, but, I, but, I, but I think your case is interesting, and this is what this whole workplace study is about. How do we, as we're getting back to normal, I don't think anyone should be in offices unless it's, like, vital that you have to have face-to-face -face meetings with maybe customers and some, even the face-to-face -face anymore, do it on video. Of course. Like, I don't even know why offices exist anymore. I haven't been in an office in freaking 20 years. Yeah, we've, I mean, I, I'll just to say this, it's been a discussion with us at the newspaper of have we really... You know, has our has the product really suffered? No, like why did why were we ever in an office? Newspapers ridiculous to ever be in the office. What? I don't I, unless I was when I worked in newspapers for whatever it was like three years. Like, I mean, at the time it was so long ago, their laptops really weren't around. So you know, you'd have to write your story. I mean, you could you could dictate it over the phone, but you know, you had to be there for a little bit. But most of the time, you spent on the road. I'll make the case. Like, I I think. You know, like budget meetings and things like that that you do at a newspaper. Like, and I'm just putting it this because this is what I know, but it, go, it applies to everybody's workplace. Yeah. Like, there's certain meetings that you have during the day that over Zoom, they're different. They feel different. Maybe they're not as productive. They're not as good. I, I think face-to-face -face meetings are better in that regard, but you can make it do uh, over video. I also think there's times, like on deadline in a newsroom where, you know, you've got like three different people trying to work on a story. And if you're, if you're like, all right, I'm going to go into the headline and then I'm going to do this. And if you're... If you're texting each other, saying like, "Hey, I'll work on the headline. You work on editing the first three paragraphs. Whatever you're gonna do, it's easier to say that to each other face to face than drop, you know, pick up your phone, text or Slack or whatever you're gonna do. Somebody, hey, you work on this task. And again, I think it applies to other workplaces where it's like, hey, if you have a project that you're really trying to fo focus on, instead of picking up a phone and texting somebody like, hey, I'll do this, you do this, you do this, and then adjust to this, it's easier if there's like four people sitting around a group of computers to do that. Now, again, it's we've adjusted, we've learned, and I think this goes for everybody. We've all learned how to adapt in the workplace and how to, you know, do communications differently and all those things. But there are times where you can make the case that it's better to be in an office and to work. But but I think you're right. I think it's a hybrid of a lot of things that we've learned over the pandemic, um, and 
uh, and what we knew before. Like, I think this fundamentally changes the workplace going forward. Do you talk to people who are just going back to an office for the first time in, like, nine months? I've seen a little of that. Like, it's just it's shocking now for people. Like, oh, wow, this is what I was missing. Now I have to be back in, in the office. This sucks. Yeah, this sucks. Like, I, I need that, you know, hour to, to walk away from the computer and play with the dogs or whatever you're going to do. Uh, yeah, I've, I've seen that for sure. And, like, it, again, if you don't, like, say you have a job where you, you have to put in eight solid hours to get the task done for the day. It has to be eight hours. Well, it also doesn't have to be nine to, you know, nine to six or whatever you're going to do with an hour break like you don't have to do that nine to five or nine to six with an hour break something like that you can do it over the course of a day you can do it from 6 a.m to midnight you're right put in eight hours but put take a two-hour break here one hour break here go take the kids to school or whatever you're going to do like that is as long as you're getting your job done like that does work so again i think i think it's it's companies learning like hey people are going to get their jobs done and we don't have to make them work eight straight hours. They can do it at home, and they can do this different thing. And, and some people don't like that. I, I know there are some people. I know one of my friends in particular that you know also that I think you think's an idiot, but he's actually a very intelligent guy. He, uh, before this all happened, he had a he had a job uh, where you know he was basically on call twenty four hours a day, where it was like you do your job, but then when you leave, you're on call the rest which, of the time, which is terrible. And and. And he said, you know, even though it was a really good job, it paid really well. It was what his master's degree was in. And he said, you know what? I don't want this anymore. And he went and took a quote unquote kind of like mindless job that's like nine to five and they never call you. And he's like, that's what I want. A lot less money. Yeah. But I, that's what I want. I want these work hours. And some people are, are like me where it's like, hey, I, I can work 24 hours a day. I'll get my, my job done when I have to. But I don't mind being on call 24 hours a day. It's fine with me. Like, people are just have different attitudes toward work. I do think it's going to be fascinating for bosses to judge who can and who did work well out of the office and who doesn't. Yeah. Some people need to be in an office. Yeah, that's true, too. How's that going to go over in the workplace? Like, hey, how come they're not here? Because they can do the job. They've shown it the last nine months. They don't need to be here and have me breathing down their neck. You showed you can't. you got to be here, by which way, sucks. By the way, we keep saying nine months. It, it has been I know like it's 14 I know it's it's <laughs> I keep trying to shorten it it's crazy it's been 14 months and we were very lucky incredible because you know neither one of us and uh, Ari included um, you know we didn't we didn't lose our gigs so a little difficulty here and there just trying to get the show done but it was it was a cakewalk compared yeah. to others of course and one but, but I do but I do find because because nothing really changed for me I've always been in radio, someone who worked from home, and then wherever I have to be for the show, I'm there. Uh, but for others, the, the home thing, I, I'm just blown away that it's like a gigantic adjustment. But I guess I've honed my skills of focus over years of doing it. I don't like being around. I really don't like being I An office, I'm trying to think the times I've worked in an office. It's been very seldom. But I don't like being around others when I'm working. I just want to work. I'm not I'm not there for chit-chat because uh, I think that's, that's the other – well, that's a really interesting thing too about office politics. There's no politics when you're by yourself, and and office politics oftentimes lead to, um, well, it determines your future at times. Yeah. Right? Are you chit chatty? Are you friendly? Like some places, hey, the more you chit chat with bosses and your personal relationships are more important than the production. <laughs> Do you want a real generalization here? And you know, I, I think it's it's always our bias. I will say, those with a family need the office oh yeah it's getaway time yep yep 
Oh, I saw. <laughs> I saw. I, I saw another story. Talk again. This was about the workplace, and it said, um, you know, office environments force transitions and breaks. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Like there's a normalcy to it. Yeah, I think it's absolutely true. And and and, and, and I'll tell you, here's the other one. Uh, again, we're not parents. School didn't school just end yesterday or the day before? I think so. So guess what's guess what's back? Pandemic like you know situation where you're trying to work and you're at home in a lot of cases, and your kids are there for then round be, for round two of this. Be begging to go back to the office at that point. Golden Knights games and 77 cent Bud Light bottles. Silver Sevens Hotel and Casino has you hooked up. It's time for Greenie's Wine of the Week, presented by Weed Sellers. Hit WeedSellers.com. Oh, the workplace, relationships, fun, 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 right? We were just talking about it. Connects with everyone, whether it's sports or not. I just saw John Carvelli, one of our loyal listeners, said, uh, I'm working from home in about 20 hours a week, or for about 20 hours a week now. Uh, I do slack off when at home, but I also find myself doing more work after hours. So, like you were saying earlier, some people like the structure of being in the office. You know, don't bother me. Out of sight, out of mind. You can't get in touch with me. I'm not available at 11 o'clock at night. Sorry. That's the way it used to be. That's the way it is again. Yeah, and I think that's exactly where, you know, where I'm at. Where, you know, not that this changed much for me. All it did for me was get me home instead of at coffee shops where, yeah. I, where I do my work. Uh, but, yeah. We miss, well, you know, we miss out on the stories because I think you had a good coffee shop story like once a month about – just the, the lunacy that goes on there, human behavior. I could give you a good uh, you know, Dutch Bros drive through stories almost every day. I know you can. Uh, my, cre- my creative ways of trying to avoid conversations have really increased the last couple of weeks. I'm, it's like a game every day. <laughs> so I was getting on Forbes for publishing. Uh, well, they followed up on a study that was saying that people were slacking off at home and having sex and, you know, working side projects. I was like. Mind your own, okay? Mind your own. I've got another, I've got another weird story, uh, an examination of someone's habits when they go on the road that we have to get to. So put that on the tease board, please. I don't know when that's going to come. That could be in the fat pack. Could be that, that. I might just make that part of football frenzy. So it's uh, wine of the week. It's brought to you by Weed Sellers, best in bourbon, beer, and wine. Weedsellers.com. C E L L A R S dot com. Weedsellers.com. So wine of the week we take from Greeny's show. Greeny can be a little whiny sometimes. And the vast sound crew is generally in charge of this. And you know, there's like 8, 10 people who pull sound for us. Um, this one clearly was an Ari production. So he caught Greeny snapping on his support staff, but it was after he made a mistake. Fire these. This is Greeny coming to you from live above the Heineken River Deck at Pier 17. No, it's not. We should have taken that out of the rundown. Now, let's see whose fault is that. Let's analyze whose fault that is. Wait, he he was opening the show or an hour, and he's reading where he is? Apparently. Ron Burgundy. Yeah. Well, I can tell you, we're coming today from... The T.I. I, Battle. Nova Home. Ari! Where am I? Oh, it's Silver Sevens. You know how I, because I, I, I can see. 
That's right. No, I, I, I know where I, I see. It's written on the screen in front of you. Well, that's a pretty weird mistake to make. You just you're just reading where you know where you are. I, I was actually looking for Ari to tell me what to say, so I, I, he didn't type me anything, so this I have is, nothing. This is a weird moment. Keep going. I'm broadcasting from Bristol today. I have some meetings later today, but let's analyze whether this is more on Bubba or on me. Bubba should obviously have taken that out of the rundown. That's an agreement we have that I will mention every day, the Heineken River Deck at Pier 17. But of course, today I'm not at the Heineken River Deck. I'm in Building 2 in Bristol, Connecticut. The question is, is Bubba at fault for putting it in the rundown or that I am at fault for reading it? Okay, it, there's no, there is no debate here. Is this, is this a bit to get the beer company more mentions? Are we Possibly. just being sucked in? Well, my Maybe? listening to it as just as a, you know, keen observer of radio. You're a radio, you're a radio expert. I am. Uh, I think he got the rundown. It was wrong, and he decided to make a bit out of it okay. by intentionally reading it. Okay, keep going. I mean, I think it's a 50-50 split because, I mean, there's no question I didn't catch it at first, but then you just are Ron Burgundy and just read whatever it says and have no concept until after. You're like, wait, nope, I'm in Bristol. By the way, how stringent are the rules when they do this show that Bubba is wearing a mask? I have a mask on right now. You do. I'm That's glad, interesting, I'm too. Glad he does. Is he working close to somebody? He should be. Yeah, you're right. Unless he's got his vaccination card. I'd like to see it. <laughs> I, we know you would. Because <laughs> you, you, I know the response you want. Well, where's yours? Boom! <laughs> I, just, I, I, almost, I almost showed it at the front desk. Here at the Silver 7s, there's security at the front now. And generally, I think they, you know, they just check IDs and that sort of thing. I, I was like, I walked over to him and I was like, should I do it? I didn't. Are you walking in all establishments without the mask on? No, I'm, I'm actually wearing it. Well, like, then they're never going to ask for the card. Do you want the card seen or not? Well, I want to still be virtue, respectful to Virtue people. signaler? No, it's, respect, it's respecting people is what, what you're doing. We're still at only like 50%. I'm you know, trying to make sure it doesn't spread more. But, yeah, it's. I'm just begging for it. So, yes, I would like, I would like in this case... To have somebody walk into the studio and ask this person if he sh if he has his card. Wine of the week, weed sellers, keep going, Greeny. The we difference both, between me and Ron Burgundy is that I realized it as I was saying it. <laughs> it didn't stop me from saying it in the first place, but I realized it as I was saying. Okay, so we could be part of top-notch humor. We're falling prey to. Mm -mm. Wait, what did I? Uh, wait, what? I don't think so. <laughs> I just love. Uh -uh. Uh, now that I hear it again. Yeah, I don't. I don't think. I think that was all on Greeny, and he just fumbled through it and did the best he could. Man, I get on Ari a lot. To me, that would be an all timer if I started yelling at him every day because I didn't know where I was. Let's. It's coming, and that's like that's his responsibility. <laughs> yeah. No, no. Let. I mean, let's be real here. It's it. It goes on on both ends. I certainly do things like that. So I am. I'm against Greeny on this one, but I will say fair share of. Uh, Issues on the producer's end as well sometimes. All right. Is, is, that, is that what I should say? <laughs> Adam in stunned disbelief. Uh, well, I was thinking about saying. Should I go about. there? Yeah, I was like, uh, <laughs> should no. I gather a moment? I, I don't know. I, I've, let's say I've, I have on occasion done shows elsewhere. 
where the producers are way over, like, mo- not, I was going to say over, way more involved in, like, what what gets said and what gets talked about and what gets discussed. Uh-huh. And I will say, like, you, you're handed, like, papers, and this is what we're talking about. And I always look over them to make sure that there's nothing wrong before I read them. You better. I feel like, I feel like that's probably what you're supposed to do. Did he just show up and be like, all right, I'll just read whatever's on this paper? No, I think he saw it and he decided to make a bit out of it, but still good. I, I, this is about as good as I've heard Greeny be in a while. I like it. Hidweedsellers.com today and order some Pinot Noir, Chardonnay, or Cabernet Sauvignon. We embrace equality and diversity. Weed Sellers.